morning again, everyone. Um, so we've been uh, doing a bit of a journey through Mark, um, kind of getting into it now, and it's a um, it's an interesting path. There seems to be this theme, kind of through the first few, probably up to about chapter eight or so, of this "Who is Jesus?" Um, and there's these different things that he's doing, and um, you see, particularly his disciples don't really get it um, for a while. That they're kind of missing the point a little bit, and we're still seeing that through this passage here today. And um, so as we go through this, kind of thinking, who is Jesus? Um, and as far as the kind of understanding of, of Jesus, like the disciples didn't do it, but didn't really understand who he was for a while. They eventually got there. Um, and then today, as modern Christians, we've got the kind of the full story um, in the Bible, but we can still miss things about Jesus. Um, and it's really helpful to go back through this journey of understanding who is Jesus, um, look at it afresh, um, go on this journey that the disciples went on of discovery um, and kind of, yeah, we'll see that kind of build um, up here into the next couple of chapters as well. Um, so last week we, we learned that Jesus had power over life and death. He raised uh, this young girl to life um, and he has power over demons. So we've seen where is this power coming from? Um, so we, we start in this um, little kind of almost like a short-term missions type thing where he's um, sending his disciples out um, and he says, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Um, who can give this kind of authority? Who is this Jesus who has the power to say, you there, you actually have my authority now? It's um, quite a remarkable thing. It's, it's, it's another kind of piece of the puzzle pointing to the divine nature of Christ, that Jesus is in fact God. Um, and, it, and it goes on. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Um, it's uh, something I've been thinking about a lot recently. I've been, I'm quite passionate about missions and, and um, still quite um, early in my journey on this. I have a lot to learn and um, it's uh, been really interesting um, kind of going through the journey with um, Simon and Lucinda as they kind of have gone on there and just kind of seeing what, what their journey's been like. Um, Last year I joined the board of Mac Australia, as Thomas mentioned, um, who do um, support missionaries overseas through aviation um, in remote areas. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to see that there's so much to do there. Um, we see you know, billions of people who are considered unreached people groups um, in the world today. Um, we've got a huge journey left to do as, as the church. Um, we've got a big job there. Um, and this here has kind of made me think about this whole idea of, you know, preparation versus, um, you know, just going out there. There's an interesting um, parallel passage um, in Luke chapter 22 where it talks about, it's actually referring back to this specific story here, and it says, Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing, they answered. He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Um, so there's this kind of interesting both types of missions work going on here. Um, there seems to be very easy to just want to jump into a really hard and fast today. This is how it's done. And we actually see multiple ways of doing it in scripture, um, which is quite interesting. Um, and I feel 
we as Christians can be really quick to criticise and tear down others who do things a little bit different to us. Um, there is a, you know, certain areas in, in our faith where there's not just one method of doing things. We can still, you know, hold to our things, but when we use it as a way of kind of tearing down and destroying what other people do, it's like, oh, they're not doing it the best way. If they did it this way, they'd be doing it better. Um, it can be really counterproductive. Um, an example from my my work life that can come up sometimes is this idea of uh, fundraising. Should I go and ask people for money or should I um, just trust God and uh, not do it, uh, just see, see what happens? Um, and the person who's saying, no, I'm not going to be fundraising might be like, well, the other side, they don't have enough faith, they just need to have more faith and they'll do it. Uh, and then the ministry that does do fundraising can look at the other one and say, well, really they're just not being super honest about it. They're telling everyone that they don't do fundraising or ask for money, and by doing that, they're indirectly asking for money so people know that they should give to them. Um, and you can kind of have all this kind of battling going on between different groups, um, and it can be really um, just, just unhelpful sometimes. Um, not to say you can't have a legitimate, healthy discussion about what is good and proper, um, but it can very easily be this, I just want to belittle and degrade and tear down the other side. Um, I'm reminded in this, this, this discussion here, this passage in Romans 5, verse 5, where it says, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And a few verses later, it says in verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will st all stand before God's judgment seat. Um, and I was just, yeah, convicted by that phrase there about looking at others with contempt. It's very easy to, to look down on other believers and say that, well, they're not doing it the way that I think is best. Um, but ultimately, we all stand individually before God. Um, I'm not judging the person next to me. I've got to go before God with a clear conscience myself. Um, and that's the important thing. Um, So probably final point there is there not, not everything falls into that category. It's important to, um, to know there are some very clear fundamentals of Christianity, which this is very black and white. This is what the Bible says is true. Um, so we better not kind of overuse that, um, that example of saying that, oh, well, just your opinion and that's how you do it. Um, there can be this danger of going into this uh, relative truth type mindset that, it's true for me, it's not true for you. There's a, there's a whole range of things in Scripture which are just like, no, this is how it's done. Um, but I think, um, and I'm speaking for myself here, it's very easy to, to jump into some of these other areas where it's not as clear-cut and be like, well, no, this is the way and I'm going to um, hold other believers in contempt because they don't do it the best way, um, according to me. Um, so it's just something to, to keep in mind there. Um, and then... So coming back to the passage, we talked that next bit of the verse is verse 12. It says, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So the power that Jesus imparted worked. They were able to go there and um, drive out demons and heal sick people. Um, again, this is pointing back to where's this power coming from? In fact, why could Jesus pass this power on? This is pointing to the who Christ is, um, and we see these hints throughout the passage on that. Um, from there we go into this um, bit of a 
side area about um, John the Baptist. Um, I'm not going to spend heaps of time here today, um, but it's, a, it's an interesting one and it comes straight from the back of this kind of missions type um, passage in there. So we see that John, who has been suffered and eventually got executed because of the work, he was, he was doing God's work. Um, and he ended up, he was calling out Herod on his um, sexual immorality and the, the sin that he was doing. And um, people don't like getting called out on their sin. Um, so there's this interesting connection there that even though the disciples at this point were not, you know, not apparently suffering direct persecution, but um, we see this kind of foretaste of what's come for disciples and, you know, Christians as a whole, really, um, where John the Baptist spoke the truth and um, he ended up paying for it with his life. Um, we know with the disciples that they went on to be executed in very, very diff- various different ways, sorry. Um, they were willing to, to pay the price um, that they had to speak the truth and go out there and um, do what God called them to do. Um, after this uh, kind of journey through John the Baptist, we come to the story that we talked about um, already, the uh, feeding of the 5,000. Um, so the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Um, I really love how Jesus puts his priority on taking time away from ministry. Um, there's, there's so much work to be done in this world. Um, see, just in a, on a practical basis, that people can burn themselves out. Um, that you see this huge need, you're a caring person, and want to go and help people, and that's a fantastic thing. Um, but we see this principle in scripture that we do need to have those times away, that we need to have balance. Um, I, I really, um, my, my mother, who does a lot of ministry, and she's got this very, she has a Monday every week, which is her, her day off, her day of rest. She does a lot of stuff on Sundays because of the ministry that she does. Um, and she just completely winds down. She'll go for a prayer walk um, on the beach um, and will spend some quiet time. Um, and it's... That's something that's just helped her. She's been doing her current ministry for, I think, over a decade now. Um, and she's been able to keep that, that journey going um, by actually putting in some things in the past. Um, I've seen many people burn out, um, and there's lots of complicated reasons why that happened, why that may happen. Um, but coming back to your scripture, you see that there's this principle of taking time away. And it's both physical and spiritual. Um, so from the, the physical perspective, we've got physical human bodies that need rest. There's only so much we can do. Um, it's so easy to become really, really busy um, that we don't have time to do it. Um, something I've had to look at myself, and I've um, been challenged over the last year or so on this, found myself just doing so much. And then, I, and then you step back for a moment and look at what are the priorities I have in my life. And I was kind of shocked to when I was looking at the different things that I allocated time to, how far down the list my family was. And it's like, well, that's, that's not healthy. Family is actually really important to me, you know. I need to spend time with my son and my wife, and that's, that's really big. Like, what's it doing that that's all the way down there? And I've got all of these other things. Um, so it's, it's been really helpful to stand back and actually look at, what am I doing? Um, and they can be really good things. It's not, not necessarily. It can be that you've got bad things that you shouldn't be doing, and that's 
kind of an easy one to, to, to value your life, but it gets really difficult when you've got all these good things that you're doing. And it's like, well, it's really good that I do this. It's really good that I do that. Um, but we do need to have a look at this. Um, when, we, when we look at Jesus, this is what, what he did. Um, he went away. At one point, he got interrupted in this passage and ended up doing this whole feeding of the 5,000. But um, he then actually went on to make sure he had time away after that. Um, and it's a kind of just a little bit on saying immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Um, and this is the other side of um, taking time away um, is that we can be so busy doing things and even if it's ministry or, or whatever it might be that we might actually forget to and not have enough time for God. Um, I'm kind of... Re- I suppose we're all constantly reminded by these high-profile Christians that kind of fall into public disgrace, and we, you know, we're in a connected world today where we can, you know, see things on the internet, and you know, you see this person, you know, it's very sad to, you know, read about Ravi um, Zacharias um, a little while back, and then you know, there's all these different things that come out, and I can't help but wonder, did the good work they're doing take up so much time that they didn't have time for God? Um, and I'm not going to speak to individual cases because um, I don't know, but um, even Jesus, Son of God, he made time to go and spend time time with God. And it just shows priorities that needs to be there. We need to allocate that time away for it and make sure we don't get carried up in doing all of these different things. Now, on the topic of uh, the actual miracle itself that um, this kind of passage is all kind of framed around we're seeing that there's this idea of provision here that um, uh, disciples talked by this time it was late in the day so his disciples came to him this is a remote place they said and it's already very late send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat um, we it kind of goes on with, with through a story which we've already read, thank you, Laura. Um, but they ended up all being satisfied. They, they had food and were provided for. Um, and there's this, um, the other passage I read to the kids was talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and these other things will be added to you. Um, and it's this wonderful story of provision. Um, and I catch myself every time there's some uncertainty in my life, you're just like, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be anxious. What's What's going to happen next? Um, I don't know what's happening. It might be in your, your family life, in your work. It might be housing or food. Cost of living at the moment is a, is a big one where if you can, you know, if you're, um, for a lot of people, having your interest rate double in the space of a few months is going to put a bit of pressure on there. Um, so we see here that they sought God first and then God provided. Um, and that's a... That's, that's a challenge for us, that um, when we're anxious about the future, we're uncertain about what tomorrow might bring, that um, we've got this picture here of who is Jesus, who is our provider. Um, and this is just another piece of the puzzle as we go in this journey of discovery of who is Jesus. Um, and we, we learn from this that he will provide for us. Then it goes on to Jesus walking on the water. So, late at night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on, on land. And he goes on to 
walk across and almost passes them by. And we see it's actually got some parallels to the one um, that we just looked at um, the other day where once he jumps in the boat, the, the wind dies down again. Um, but they're straining really hard on their own. And it's, it's another element of provision that we, we see here. So it's not food here, but it's this idea that they were getting across there, they were straining with all their strength to get across. Um, they weren't making much progress. Um, and when, when Jesus came, inside down and they could actually get across there um, and I think that's this, the lesson that I, I pull from this is if we, if we have Jesus with us that these other things we're doing that we're not actually straining as hard that um, we can work with God and there's this and it's, it's, it's a complicated one to communicate because it's, there's no promise in, in the Bible that hard times won't come um, that's the things, circumstances around us won't be tough and we see throughout scripture, you know, we just looked at John the Baptist, he got executed um, it's not this removal of anything hard but it there's this other element to it which is quite difficult to explain that when Jesus is there it actually helps you through um, those hard times become more manageable, um, that you actually have this, this comfort from Jesus um, you don't have to be anxious, you know that God's will will be done and, and you rest in that, um, there's this this ability to, to go through these harder times that when we know and trust in Jesus that we can actually get through them. It doesn't necessarily remove them, sometimes it does, and this is a fantastic example that um, as soon as Jesus came aboard, the, the wind did die down. So sometimes when we are pushing uh, against tide, maybe we do actually need to step back and um, actually be like, what's going on here? Maybe I need to uh, actually talk to God about this. Um, there's a really interesting thing I've just had a my workplace recently where we had this particular um, kind of transaction we are going through that had, had just been not, not going well. There was this, all of this headwinds, we were um, getting strung out with this, um, uh, yeah, I can't really go into the very detailed specifics of it, but it was just like, what's, what's not going right here? Something's not right. And we, we had, a, had a prayer meeting at work and we just were like, well, we're going to pray about this and... Um, and say, yep, break off any work of the devil that's going to be coming against it, ask for, for God's will to be done and him to come through. And it was amazing, within, I'd say, a week, week and a half, the entire thing had been resolved, um, moved on with a result better than we'd anticipated. Um, and it was just, just amazing to see this, you know, coming against these headwinds, what's going on. The moment we actually, as a team, turned, turned to God and was like, no, we're going to, Pray, pray about this and um, go, go forward um, in God's way, there was this, this miraculous, it just, just fixed itself. It was, um, yeah, quite amazing. So I'm just really um, encouraged that when we do put our focus right, there's this ability to, God can change situations that seem unchangeable and just these, these, these blockages that you might have. Um, at, the, at the end of this section, it talks about that they didn't, they still didn't understand the loaves. So it says they were completely amazed. It's talking after Jesus came in the boat with them and been walking on water. And they say uh, they did not, un- but they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. What hadn't they understand here? Um, I think it was just still this. They hadn't fully realised who Jesus was. Um, there's, we're going through these multiple things. There's been 
two instances now of Jesus having calmed the, the storms. Um, you know, he fed the, fed the 5,000, and a bit later in Mark, he, he, he does another miracle of provision as well. And he's going through these things, and they still don't understand. They've kind of missed something here. Um, and what is it? It's that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who saves us from sin. Later on in Mark, we'll go and see that um, the, uh, the Pharisees and others are plotted against Jesus, so uh, trying to take him out um, and went through the Romans and eventually he was um, uh, crucified, as we know. Um, and we, we see in this, it's like, what's going on? Uh, what's happening here? Um, the disciples at this point only knew in part, but we, we now know in full, is that Jesus has died in our place. He is the Son of God who is perfect in every way. We sinned. Jesus came down here and lived a, led a perfect life. Um, and he, he proved his divinity over and over again. We can see through this, it's just like, yes, he is the Son of God. And we have this most amazing thing where he goes and willingly sacrifices himself. There's no way he could have gone to that cross if it hadn't been his desire or his will to do so. Um, we look at this power, like even the wind and waves obeyed him. There's so many things he could have done to stop it, but he didn't. We know that he is bigger than hunger, storms or death. Um, he died and rose again. And this is really who Jesus is. He is the, the saving one um, that, that came for us. And I know... Most of the people here today are probably believers, uh, but if you're not, then there's, there's this message here that we can come to Jesus. He proved his divinity over and over again, and he, he sacrificed himself for us. And the, the message that what we need to do now is simply believe in him. Um, we repent from the sins that we do, and we, we follow after him. And that's, that's the simple message of Christ. And as we go through the book of Mark, this is, this is what we're learning. What... Who is Christ? He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who saves us from our sins.